All right, I am so excited to introduce you to this next guest. Her name is Kimberly Gifford, and she is a badass woman. This woman has gone to the ends of the earth to help her kids heal from Lyme disease. It's been an honor to be a part of her journey and to watch she and her kids heal from Lyme disease. When Kim first found me three years ago, she had tried so many different treatments and was doubtful that energy medicine would help. Yet in the end, it turned out to be the game changer. Kim is now an energy practitioner and helps women with Lyme disease and their kids with Lyme disease. Kim and I recorded this episode prior to the quarantine, but I know that she would tell you that she and her kids have been in a similar quarantine for the last several years. It's only in the last year or so that they've been able to leave the house regularly and return back to lives that look more like what a teenager or an adult would have. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Affiliate Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this podcast, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll get to witness healings as well as hear from my mentors, teachers, and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for the last 14 years. My connection with energy is so strong and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, I'm here with Kim Gifford and she is a friend of mine. I met Kim almost three years ago because she called me for some help. She and her three kids have Lyme disease and they were suffering greatly. And Kim has been fighting for a long time for their health. And I'm happy to say they all are doing really well right now. And I wanted to interview Kim because she has so much wisdom from this journey. And it's been a pleasure getting to know her and having her as my badass friend. So Kim, (laughs) welcome. Thank you very much. (laughs) So Kim, how do you do it every day? How do you handle the three kids and, you know, yourself and you have clients now and you're helping so many people? Well, it starts off um, usually with a lot of swearing. And then I try to then remember all the tools that I've learned along the way, um, beginning with the ones that I learned from meeting you and starting energy therapy is basically what I call it. And I have to remember the human side of me and that I'm always learning. And no matter how much energy work I do, no matter what I do, I'm still always evolving and learning. And it's never going to be perfect. And I'm never going to be 100% in control. And I'm never going to do everything the exact way. And I try to find a little bit more messages in the hiccups and in the obstacles and not beat myself up over a mistake or over just a tough day. Or some days I honestly have to drag myself into the shower to meditate and use my tools. I tried to meditate every single day, mostly once. Some days it's been two or three times because I really just feel disconnected and I want to escape that familiar feeling of wanting to escape what is you know, starts to penetrate. And I use my meditation tools, my grounding tools, tapping to bring myself back in because what I found is I can think more clearly and that clarity helps me choose 
what I can control and help, what's just emotion, what's past trauma creeping its way back in. And it's just a more mindful approach of living with chronic illness and healing and and now accepting other people and trying to help them and getting triggered by their stories and seeing the mirror images in them. You know, I sometimes have sad days where I just sit and cry because I'm watching another child suffer. Mm -hmm. And so it's a constant reminder of what we went through, but it's a great reminder that I still have a lot of work to do to fully heal um, what this situation sort of imprinted on me at the moment. So that's a really good point that you, you know, we do get triggered when we're helping other people and having to witness their journey. Um, because like when we find ourselves triggered, like there's matching pictures, what we say, right? Like there's matching energy in you and me. And I really love the fact that people come into our lives so that like we can see that much larger and then we can get some information about it. It's like, why am I so upset about this? Like a normal person would not be upset about this or, you know, somebody who doesn't have something going on behind the scenes wouldn't get upset. So, so tell me about that. Like, what are you doing when that happens? Like when you are working with a client and you get triggered and it reminds you of something that happened to you, like, what are you doing to help yourself? Well, there's three different scenarios really with that. The first one is the one that takes me a little bit to recognize that's what's happening. I'll work on somebody and then I feel a little off or I feel slightly symptomatic or I get extra emotional or I react more emotional to whatever's going on with the kids. And usually within meditation or right before I start to meditate, it clicks why that's happening. Other times it's really clear when I'm talking to a Lyme kid's parent or if I'm dealing directly with another mother who has Lyme or her children have Lyme, I can feel it. It's a very familiar, deep feeling inside of me of just sorrow and a recognizable despair. And so what I do is I use a tool that I learned within meditation of blowing roses. So whatever area of my body is holding that energy or that matching picture, I try to make sure that I'm grounded and I just blow whatever colors in my head. I picture it as a rose and I just blow it up and I allow that energy that's not mine to leave and go down my grounding cord and just reset myself. The last one is really hard because that's the human side, the, the true human side of the anger and the sadness that may sit around for a couple of days. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the biggest part of this was recognizing I'm not perfect. And there are going to be days where it takes me two days, three days to, to fully become aware and get rid of what that trigger is. And I think one of the biggest things I learned was giving myself permission to just be kind of bummed out for a couple of days and just feel it and get it out. Because when you're a caregiver, sometimes you stuff it and you don't deal with it and you just pretend you don't feel that way and you distract yourself. And I've had to really accept being bummed, like, okay, I'm feeling bummed today. Like this sucks. Like these people are having a really hard time and I can only help so much. And man, this reminds me of when the kids could barely stand up. But I know once I use my tools and I work through it and I sit with it, it will go away. I, there's a freedom in being able to feel crappy. There's a freedom in it because I know that I'm not going to stay feeling crappy every day, day in, day out. It's going to leave. So that permission piece of allowing myself to feel shitty <laughs> has been oddly freeing because I felt like as a mother, like, 
I wasn't allowed to feel shitty. I couldn't show my kids that I was really sad and having a bad day. I needed to show everybody around me that I was super strong and I got this. And the smallest bit of vulnerability would make me feel like it was opening myself up to be attacked by other people. So within feeling more permission to feel crappy, it's also allowed me to set up boundaries to not really care or allow other people's reactions on how I feel to penetrate me as much. Because that can be pretty debilitating when you already feel like crap and somebody's response to you is sort of inconsiderate, but it's their own stuff and you take that on as well. So using my tools of creating boundaries, holding my own energy and just allowing myself to feel is basically how I'm, you know, deal with all of those things. That's so great that you do that now because I remember when we first met, um, <laughs> you were not doing that. Remember when I mentioned swearing? <laughs> that would be the day of these months. Like I just, yeah, no, that's not what I did because I had to fight for so long just to get a diagnosis for my son that you are using your voice to a medical profession begging and being scientific at the same time and still getting no response. So once you start healing and you're going through the process, you wear this defensive armor and you think everybody is out to prove you wrong and you get very defensive. And that was a huge part of healing that you helped me with, honestly, to not take everybody's stuff personally not perfect at it, but I'm way better than I used to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it's got to be like to hear time and time again from the doctors that like what you have isn't real or that it's in your head or um, that we can't help you, you know, when you're just like somebody, please take me out of this pain. Yeah. Um, and, and that's when I met you was uh, I got this phone call and I was just like, Wow. First of all, I think you said something like I had, you, you basically mentioned everything that I've ever been interested in on the phone call. And I was like, Whoa, I want this chick to be my friend. And then I was like, but I think she really needs a lot of help. Yeah. Um, so you came in for a session and, um, we got into some really deep stuff. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, you had mentioned to me, which I didn't know was around this fact that like you can give your kids Lyme if you're pregnant that was something that you were really carrying pretty heavily and it was keeping you from really being able to move forward. Like, don't you think it was like a huge block and like that guilt um, was keeping you from healing, but also from being able to really see what was going on. I mean, your fight or flight was so on. So basically like, how are you supposed to think anyone can heal if you're still holding on to ownership for what is wrong with your child? It became my identity not only to fix them and to hammer down the importance of Lyme disease education and all of those things, but the underneath that was the guilt of like, if I had any part in this, I have to make this better by shouting out loud, by fixing them, like by doing everything. When you're watching all three of your kids barely be able to stand for years, not days, years with people you love second guessing you or turning your back or you lose friends or you watch your kids lose people and you feel really isolated and alone and you think you're the reason, the underlying reason for it all 
it's a heavy weight. And I feel like that heavy weight turns into an armor that was really hard to like break open and accept. The other part of it is I was very sick when they were very young. And there was a lot of self-hate towards myself about not speaking up more for myself. Like, why did I have that strength to speak up for my children, but I didn't care enough about myself to maybe have found out earlier that I too had Lyme and I could have helped them. That was the part that was we worked a lot on, is the could have. Like, if I just did this, I could have done that. And holding on to that did nothing. All it did was make me depressed. That's all it did. It helped in no way. Yes, it's a fact, but it does not help to wear that armor. So let's talk about when I first met your kids. Um, well, first we did a session, two or three sessions, and then- We did two or three sessions, and then we had just gotten stem cells done like a month and a half before I started seeing you. And my son, Cole, who at the time I believe was, can't remember, 16, and he started staying awake for 48 hours in a row, 36 hours in a row, and he couldn't sleep. And I made such a profound jump forward I went from being like leaving you a phone conversation saying, I don't know if you can fucking help me, but I want to die. I literally will never kill myself, but I am waking up every single day wishing that I did not exist because if I didn't exist, then they wouldn't have to suffer. I did not imagine after two, one, even one appointment or two appointments that I could drive home and feel hope and not feel like I wanted to just leave this earth, you know? So when Cole started not sleeping, I was like, why not? Let's just try it. And Cole slept for 12 hours after the first appointment. He wasn't even barely, like he just laid there. And I'm pretty sure he fell asleep during yeah, the Yeah, gotta leave him. I yeah. think we didn't have anybody after and we left him yeah. the table sleeping for like yeah. two or three hours. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. I want you to go back and I want you to try to think about that first appointment that we had together. And like, what do you think really shifted for you? What energetically or what do you think was like revealed to you or given to you? I don't want to put anything in your head. So like, I'm not trying to say what it is. How did you have that flip? I mean, you know, yes, it was energy work that I did, but what do you think it really was? I'm just curious. At that point in time, I actually felt like I had absolute no control over anything that was happening in my life, no matter how hard I tried. No matter the fundraisers, my research, at that point in time, I was probably sleeping maybe two hours a night. I'd be up all night researching, reading journal articles, and still nothing I did did I feel like I had control over. And after our first session, it was the first time in probably almost two and a half years, I felt like this was something that could help me feel like I had some control over myself. Not control in the sense of fixing, control in the sense of being able to help myself feel better and help my children then feel better. And um, I truly didn't know what I was walking into. I'm like, oh great, we're in Boulder. Some hippie lady is going to do some woo-woo shit and try to tell me that she fixed me. Like I was coming in like, all right, bitch, what you got? Like there was no... You were giving me a hard time when Uh you walked in. You were like so like distant. And I was like, all right, it's cool. We'll uh, we'll work on that. We'll break it down. And then then obviously our relationship is now. like, (laughs) Yes, very different. Um, (laughs) 
But to physically be able to feel, I'm very observant and I had to even get more observant over the years because of what was happening with the kids and myself. To be able to physically feel an immediate change within my body was data for me. It was like, okay, you did this once and you feel an immediate change in your body. Statistically speaking, if you continue to do this, (laughs) most likely you're going to continue to feel a shift in your body. You know, and I think it was like after the third appointment, I remember Jason, my husband, and I got into a little tiff tiff. And normally that would have sent me hysterically crying and leaving and going in my car and crying. And I will never forget this. I got in the shower and I tapped and I calmed myself right down. And I walked into the room and I was just like, I love you. Everything's going to be okay. And he was just like, what the fuck just happened? And I was like, well, this shit works because I did not flip out. I am calm. And I went to bed. Yeah. So like, that's a miracle. So being able to actually see stuff happen, you know, I spent $90,000 for something that I watched happen in a very bad way. And to be able to go do something and watch something happen in a positive way was something that I was not experiencing. Man, I can't believe all that money that you spent on the stem cells and it didn't work. I was scared when you guys showed up. I mean, and, and yes, we don't know whether or not they right. Work, right? You'd have to need um, a control and all that other stuff, but whatever. We need the magic school bus to go confirm <laughs> if that happened. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, but it, it didn't give you the results that you wanted. No. We'll just leave it at that. And um, I, I'll tell you, I've never, I mean, Kim downplays how sick her kids were. I remember thinking I'm scared for her and her kids. Like your kids were zombies is the best word to like say. Like they didn't have emotion. They didn't talk. Like I'd be like, Hey, you know, I'm bubbly. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? You know? And um, they would just be like, uh, that would be about it. I think um, that was the hardest part as a mother to watch was their personalities disappear. And especially because my children were very outgoing, kind of funny, quirky people. Well, now I know them. So yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And to watch that just completely disappear was earth shattering is the only, it it really just, if you're a mother or you're a parent or you just love someone that's a child and you watching them and then all of a sudden they just become ghosts and everybody around you seems to be against you or trying to take your money or doesn't have your best interest in mind. You know, the other factor is you were sincere. There was no insincerity when I saw you. You were very blunt. I was sick of people bullshitting me and giving me time limits. And you're one of the first people in a while that was honest. And you came recommended from a friend that I trusted very much, the only friend I really had out here before I met you and in the continued network. So just side note, I know we're not there yet, but you know, oh boy, thank you for giving me my kids back because a kid can have their health come back and still not be there because we can, uh, you know, it sometimes still happens. They, they go in and out sometimes still because their bodies feel scary and they check out and various other reasons. And I cannot imagine life at this point in time with them still the way they were when they were first seeing you. It was complete silence. There was no talking. There was no laughter. I remember, I remember like a year or two in, you're like, oh my gosh, they're not stopping now. 
It's like, guys, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. All of a sudden, like, birth three teenagers in your house. Yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I remember uh, the session that you said you got Cole back. Um, it was a couple yeah. sessions in, and then he got in the car, and he started crying and talking. Yes. And you were like, oh, yeah. my gosh. You know? Yeah, and that's another piece of this is, like, I had to continue doing the work because they were in these little boxes for years. And they were feeling things, but not processing them. And there wasn't that show of emotion, really. So when they started getting their personality back, it came with almost reliving the past years and memories flashing back into their head and processing the loss. And if I hadn't have stuck with seeing you and continuing on into getting energy training, I honestly don't know how I would have handled the emotional unloading that came with that right yeah yourself and your poor husband having to witness all of Mm -hmm. this and and you know that isn't easy either no so each one of your kids is so energetically sensitive and it'd be kind of crazy to think that they if they didn't have these tools because they also have the tools now obviously you know I, i taught you and i taught them and you've taught them and you've reinforced it and some other people have Another person who'll be on the podcast uh, will be talking about the tools and stuff like that. But being a teenager alone is tough. Like then being chronically ill and super sensitive, like I, I don't know how they do it sometimes. Like it's hard. Even though they were close, my children are right now. 15, 16, and 18. And their birthdays are with all the same months, so they were young together. But the two girls are the youngest, and my son's the oldest. They had a closer bond, you know? But when you are watching the people you love and your siblings go through, you're all going through the same treatments. You're all rooting for each other. At one point in time, they each wished they could take the pain away from the other one or from all of us. They grew beautifully close. And I honestly don't think, I know, they definitely would not have, especially Cole with the girls. I just don't think there would have been as close of a bond just because of what regular life would have been like for them. You know, They've had to be homeschooled. The amount of doctor's appointments we've all gone to together and been stuck in the car and traveling on a state monthly and sleeping in a one-room hotel with just two beds. Like, You have no choice but to connect. And I think if we didn't have those tools, because we're all so energetically sensitive and our hearts are just big, we're big hearted people, it would have been hard being that close and seeing all of that pain. Just because you love each other doesn't mean you find the lessons and you are able to see the good sides of things. That is, sometimes that's people's temperament, but in a situation like ours, I really believe it has to be reignited. It's not just something that stays there. So Kim, what do you think, anybody who's listening to this, like, what is the one thing that you'd want them to know um, if they're chronically ill and they're trying to get better? Like, what do you think was the game changer for you? The game changer for me and also for the children, honestly, was introducing ourselves to this modality, this style of treatment If I was still stuck in victim mode, if I was still stuck, let's use nicer terms instead of labels. If I was still stuck just being in complete despair, thinking I had no control, just wishing for my old life back, that is the biggest thing. If I stayed just wishing for my old life back and I did not step into actual reality and find the good parts, 
but still acknowledging the shitty parts, there's no way we would be where we are right now. If I did not find energy work and continue with it, even through it's hard, like energy work isn't easy. Like you just don't do it and learn it and like feel great the next day. Like you're working on yourself. You're rewriting patterns. I don't think we would be where we are today. And the reason I can say that is I have teenagers now. They're older. They are less likely to let me give them an energy session just because they're teenagers and they know I might feel something like I can watch the difference in them when they're not using their tools, Mm -hmm. when they're not practicing, when they're not going to see some of the helpers we have in our community. I can see the negative effects symptomatically on them. I can notice when they're checking out emotionally, how that affects their choices. And the cool part is like now they're starting to do that. In my opinion, I wasn't into energy work before. Yes. Did I do alternative types of counseling and alternative medicine? Yes, I did. But this wasn't something that I was submerged into and that was part of my life. It became something I submerged myself into by choice because I saw the substantial change it made in not only my life, but for my children. So trying to heal from anything chronic with all the pain, all the memories, all the trauma, they live in your body. It's there. You have to let it go. You can't keep that identity as protection. It's really easy to want to keep Lyme disease as your identity because even still, you go to a new doctor, I still get triggered. Oh, I have to explain this. And the doctor is going to say, oh, Lyme disease, how'd they get it? There are no ticks in Colorado. Like It's this whole thing, right? But if I didn't have my tools, I would have just gone right back in anger mode, getting stomach ache, develop my headache, my, my, my face drooping and my arm. Like, yeah. So helping heal the trauma, I really believe is the most important part. Cool. Well, thank you, Kim, for sharing all your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Um, you are such a strong mother, a brave mother. I, I can't, I don't know how you do it every day. You really inspire me and thank um, you. Well, there's one last thing I want to say because you just said that. So a lot of times people will reach out to me and say that I don't know how you do it. And you're such a strong mother. And I really want people to understand that I am just a person, just like everybody else. I may be very stubborn, which sort of helps drive me sometimes, but you don't have to stay in that despair and you don't have to stay in that sorrow and you can find a way to feel hope and happiness even when shit is just crumbling down around you and that's been a consistent theme in our life even with getting better we've had other personal things come up that have been very hard and very trying and not every day is perfect but if you believe that you have the ability to at least control yourself and calm yourself and your emotions it makes all this hard stuff easier to deal with. Not easy, just easier to deal with. Right. So everybody has the ability to be this strong. You just have to believe in yourself and be lucky enough to find people that help ignite that in you. So forever thankful. <laughs> I'm forever thankful for you. I love your kids and it's like I'm an aunt to them and I love yep. it. Except we say aunt. Aunt. Because <laughs> you're from Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Uh, well, Kim, thanks so much for being thanks, on. Thanks, I appreciate awesome. it. I love you. Love you too. Thank you.
All content provided by Amy Stark and her guests on the Ophelia Podcast website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, were created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist. 